What kind of energy policies will be included in those stimulus packages may well have long-lasting implications for our energy uh, system. Welcome to Energy 360, the podcast from the Energy Security and Climate Change Program at CSIS. I'm your host, Lisa Highland. This week, Sarah Ladislaw talks with Fatih Barol, the Executive Director of the International Energy Agency. Fatih and Sarah discuss some of the immediate and long-term impacts of COVID-19 on energy demand and supply. They look at how world leaders could build green stimulus into their economic recovery efforts that have both energy transitions and resiliency in mind. And finally, they think about the challenges different governments face when designing these green stimulus packages. Well, Fatih, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Sarah, for the the invitation. It's a great pleasure. You know, I just have to say before, you know, we started on our conversation, I've just noticed you and your colleagues at the IEA have put out just an enormous amount of material as soon as the COVID-19 sort of economic downturn hit. I've just been really struck by the amount of information and guidance that you all have provided on everything from like oil markets to electric vehicles to renewables. And I think that was all just in the last week after just a huge amount of, of, of guidance that you've provided for the private sector and policymakers. So I just, I wanted to say thank you. I think it's really been an amazing amount of work. Thank you very much, uh, Sarah. Yes, the day we understood that this is a major issue for the uh, economy, uh, for uh, uh, environment and for the uh, energy sector, uh, I have changed the program of work of the IEA Everything is now around uh, coronavirus uh, today and after uh, coronavirus. And we uh, focus on a few areas ranging from oil markets to clean energy, from uh, clean energy to consultation with uh, governments uh, around the uh, world. We work much harder, but I don't know if it's the same efficiency or not because of the logistical difficulties we have, because we are at the same time since almost three months in confinement uh, at uh, our uh, homes, working from home, uh, to be uh, honest with you. Uh, to be honest, I think you guys have proven the case that, that working from home can be quite productive. But as you and I are talking today, I see the situation as being the end of the beginning, right? So we're not through this crisis, but we seem to be entering a new phase where the initial lockdown period is being lifted and the the kind of huge impacts, you, you coined the term Black April for the severity of the downturn that we saw in oil markets, we're starting to see some of that alleviate. I just thought it might be a good chance to get your thoughts on what impacts from the COVID-19 economic downturn in the energy space might be longer lasting. How do you think about, as we're coming out of this initial lockdown period, what impacts on the energy sector might might be longer lasting than those initial impacts that we saw? So we will, uh, we will see some impacts uh, for sure, but some of them may be. I will explain you what I mean. Some impact uh, we will see mainly as a result of uh, the change in the consumer behavior. Uh, the, uh, it is... Uh, related to uh, how we uh, go uh, from our homes uh, to work, how we communicate, how we travel. There are uh, different aspects and we will see 
some implications of this uh, on energy demand, energy use. And there's a lot of discussion on this, uh, and I believe there will be an impact. But my view is uh, the debate around the impact of the uh, change in the consumer behavior is rather on the exaggeration uh, side. I think the, the real impact on the energy demand uh, will be uh, rather uh, limited. Some of the impact uh, we have, uh, we may well see some uh, rebound uh, there. There will be some lasting impact, but I do not see, I do not expect that uh, the change in the consumer behavior will lead to a, a new energy world. So this is uh, one. But there will be some impact, uh, surely uh, we are going to uh, see. Second likely impact is the following. Uh, many uh, governments around the world are uh, preparing uh, recovery packages, stimulus packages, and almost all of them are uh, once in a generation in scale. And the governments are going to make uh, hugely consequential decisions in a very short period of uh, uh, time. And what kind of energy uh, policies will be included in those stimulus packages may well have long-lasting implications for uh, our energy uh, system. Let's do not forget, Sarah, that the, some of the uh, sums we are talking about is the trillion-dollar uh, scale, and they are huge uh, uh, numbers, and uh, uh, if it goes to uh, this technology, it will have uh, that type of implication. If it goes to another technology, it will have a different implication. So therefore, it is uh, uh, very important uh, that the governments, in my view, make the or include the right uh, energy policies in their uh, stimulus uh, uh, packages. But I know that the first and foremost job of the governments is uh, the recovery of the economy. This is number one. The second is uh, employment. This is number two. But also, uh, after creating a firewall around our economies, we have to think of the uh, future, and uh, therefore the uh, investment uh, decisions uh, which will be made by the private sector, by the governments, will surely uh, get an input from the stimulus packages and therefore the preferences in those stimulus packages will be critical for many years uh, to come. Fatih, I want to go back to some of the, the lasting impacts potentially on the supply side in a minute, but I think your points, and, and again, you all have you know convened ministerial meetings on this issue, and you've talked with lots of different you know ministers and government leaders on stimulus. I, I agree. There's a lot of people thinking that you know we'll see something akin to the kind of green energy stimulus that we saw in the post-2008 great financial crisis response. And, and, and I think as you and your colleagues have pointed out, hopefully even better than that in terms of being able to stem the tide of emissions. But are we seeing that happen? 
right now? I mean, is it is it too early for those kinds of stimulus packages? Are governments in, in um, encountering different kind of challenges oriented with putting those kind of stimulus packages together? I mean, uh, you know, in the case of China, not necessarily wanting to take on nearly as much debt. So are, are you as positive about the potential to get that kind of stimulus? And what do you think needs to happen for governments to feel like uh, building back better and, and, and including energy in stimulus packages is really an important thing to do. I am uh, cautiously uh, optimistic, uh, Sarah, for the f- two uh, reasons, for the following two reasons. One, uh, many uh, governments are considering to put uh, energy-related uh, policies in the stimulus packages. I know it because uh, we have been contacted by many governments around the world asking for advice. Governments in North America, governments in Asia, Europe, uh, elsewhere, they are really looking for uh, advice. And I will come to that in a second. The second reason why I am uh, uh, hopeful is that some of the uh, clean energy options we have on the table now that hopefully could be included in the stimulus packages, their costs are rather uh, low. For example, compared to 2009, the cost of uh, solar, cost of wind is much, much uh, lower. And there are some technologies which are ready for the big time. And they are uh, also, uh, in my view, an attractive uh, uh, options to uh, uh, to invest. Now, many governments uh, are, I said, interested to uh, put energy policies in uh, place in their stimulus uh, packages, but here we have to be very careful. Uh, I know that in many uh, countries, including United States, but also in Europe, in Asia, uh, there is a, a looming a debate as if some parts of the uh, 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 public pushing for uh, jobs, the other part pushing for the environmental priorities. So if there was a clash between the jobs versus environment, this will be a bad news uh, in my view. How can we avoid this? We can avoid this through choosing energy policies which would help to reduce the emissions, but at the same time uh, help to create jobs and uh, help to also uh, boost the economic recovery. We cannot be uh, from the energy world or the environmental communities we cannot be uh, just looking at the CO2 emission reductions or the reductions in the, uh, the uh, other environmental pollutants. We have to see what will be the, in, the impact of introducing such incentives in the stimulus packages for jobs, for the, uh, the recovery of the economies. So uh, it is the reason uh, as you mentioned, uh, we are talking with many ministers uh, around the world in the last uh, two months or so, but I know that I have a job 
not only to convince the energy ministers, but also the finance ministers uh, the, to do that. So I think it is very important to uh, uh, find those policies which would help to uh, reduce the emissions, uh, accelerate the clean energy transitions, but at the same time help the uh, job creation and uh, also uh, to uh, boosting the economy. Fadi, going back just for a quick second onto the the potential lasting impacts of COVID-19, I mean, one question that we certainly get a lot is whether or not on the supply side, you focus most of your comments on the demand side, but on the supply side, whether any sectors of the uh, portions of the energy sector received a, a fatal blow, if you will, or something that uh, in this economic downturn has delivered a real crisis for it. And today you, you've put out a, a report saying that, that the renewable energy sector is going to be uh, quite resilient. But uh, what about, you know, what about sectors like U.S. tight oil production uh, or, or, or U.S. Uh, coal uh, uh, coal consumption or things like that. I mean, is there any any sector of the the or portion of the energy sector that you see as really have ha- having uh, received sort of a, a permanent and or lasting uh, uh, impact from the supply side? Uh, I think uh, we are going to see globally uh, oil uh, and gas industry getting a, a big big hit, which is uh, unprecedented. And uh, shale oil uh, will be uh, 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 definitely uh, uh, getting a strong, strong push back. The investment, the companies and uh, others uh, for sure, which and in fact, in just before the crisis, some of them were uh, rather in a vulnerable uh, position and it will make the life worse for uh, shale industry. Now, uh, if we can go just before the uh, coronavirus uh, uh, crisis, before the demand destruction, we know uh, that the uh, some major uh, oil producers said they were to increase the uh, oil production. And uh, one of them said uh, they want to wipe out shale, the, the main reason. They said officially uh, uh, from their uh, country, an official statement. And uh, surely uh, where we are today, uh, as a result of the glut in the oil markets, uh, lower, very low uh, oil prices, we are going to shale to get a big hit. But as I said at that time, in my view, it is to play a Russian roulette. Because I think if we see the prices uh, coming back uh, $40 and uh, above, uh, I believe that the shale uh, will come back uh, gradually. And it is, uh, in my view, far too early to write the obituary of uh, shale oil in the United States. It will come back. The world will need uh, oil uh, for some time to come. And uh, uh, I believe U.S. shale oil uh, will come back with the increase of the prices uh, in the next uh, few months uh, or so. So I don't agree with those that we saw the end of uh, shale oil.
I want to go back to something that you you have done, which is convening sort of an extra uh, extraordinary G20 energy ministers meeting to talk about uh, what's happening in in what was happening in the energy landscape, particularly during the the throes of the economic downturn. And we're not seeing the kind of multilateral coordination that I would have expected to see uh, in a crisis of this magnitude. And I, I can only imagine that groups like such as the IEA, sort of born out of uh, other times of, of economic and, and geopolitical crisis, sort of came together and played a leadership role in helping to give people confidence in the direction uh, of the economy and, and, and of uh, the recovery. I'm just sort of curious how you at the IEA are thinking about the importance of multilateral collaboration and what are the things that you think are most important for countries to be paying attention to and thinking about in in a joint way and how the IEA is is seeking to sort of help with with some of that. So what we have done is that uh, when we saw that the oil markets are uh, getting through a, a big, big, getting a big, big shock and uh, some uh, oil-producing countries, so-called OPEC Plus, are uh, trying to get an agreement to decrease their uh, production. I thought this is uh, the challenge is beyond OPEC Plus, uh, some uh, 15, 16 uh, countries. So uh, I thought G20, a forum uh, which is uh, uh, put together in order to address the uh, global financial uh, uh, crisis. And uh, we all know uh, that the oil is uh, still the largest traded uh, commodity as such backbone, one of the backbones of the global financial uh, system, called the uh, Prince Abdulaziz, the energy minister of Saudi Arabia, uh, who is the chair of uh, uh, G20 this year, Saudi Arabia. And uh, uh, he was uh, very accommodating and he agreed together with other G20 uh, countries to convene a G20 Extraordinary Energy Ministers meeting, bringing around the virtual table about 80% of the global oil consumption and 75% of the global oil production. And they all together came and made a strong statement uh, that they want to, they want to see a stability in the global uh, oil markets. And after that, we have seen oil production is cut uh, by the uh, OPEC plus countries. There is a significant production cut coming from G20 countries such as US, such as Canada uh, and the other countries. And also we are seeing the signs of uh, uh, the demand uh, recovery. And uh, we have now uh, uh, seeing a, a rather uh, gradual, uh, but uh, promising uh, signs for, of uh, stability in the global uh, oil markets. And I am very happy that the uh, G20 played a, a, or made a, a contribution to this uh, process. In my view, the world still needs uh, multilateral international organizations, but uh, though, uh, multilateral organizations which are effective, which take their job uh, seriously, not making a, a lot of uh, uh, 
organizing lots of uh, meetings and so on, but really focusing on the real subjects and providing outcomes for the governments, uh, for the citizens, for the businesses around the world to help to build a, a better uh, world for all of us. And I believe International Energy Agency has proved in the, within the last three months uh, how effective uh, we are and show the leadership both on the energy security and on the clean energy sites in an uh, exemplary uh, manner. I, so I know we're running short on time, Fatih. I wanted to ask you one last question, which I think will be really interesting to lots of people who follow our podcast, which is, you know, what are you watching right now? What are some of the most important indicators of uh, of where we're headed from this point forward? I mean, we know that the, the virus is not, you know, fully contained. We're sort of entering a new phase of this. Uh, what are the things in the energy space that you're paying the most attention to uh, that you think other people should be paying attention to as well. Okay, so what am I watching? Before what am I watching? I can tell you what I am not able to watch, <laughs> which is football, which is soccer. It oh, is, no. I miss very much watching soccer. <laughs> to be honest with you, football, as we say in in in, in Europe. Uh, oh, no. But since I cannot watch uh, football uh, <laughs> or soccer, I am watching, uh, of course the economic activity, how the economic activity is uh, bouncing back in which countries at which uh, speed. This is uh, one. And the second, uh, the uh, the behavior, the psychology of the uh, consumers, whether or not they uh, change. This is another area that needs to be observed uh, uh, closely. And as I told you before, there will be changes, but don't we shouldn't expect that it will lead us to a completely new energy world. Third, and most importantly, maybe, I am watching what the governments will decide in their recovery packages. Yeah. A wrong decision, wrong positioning may well lead us to lock our energy world, lock in in a obsolete energy system. Right decisions may lead to uh, having an energy uh, system which is much more resilient, much more modern and much uh, cleaner. So, and we are doing our best at the IEA in order to give advice to governments, which they ask for to uh, uh, make the right decisions to have a better energy uh, world after the crisis. Great. Well, thank you very much, Fatih, for joining us today. I'm sorry it couldn't be at CSIS. We've always enjoyed seeing you here and, and working together, but maybe at a point in the future we'll do it again. But in the meantime, good luck to you and all your colleagues doing great work at IEA. I thank you very much, Sarah. I uh, really uh, missed to come to CSIS. Even uh, before the meetings, we have early morning meetings, the even the uh, American cafe you uh, uh, you offer me and my colleagues, I even miss that cafe. And I hope to see you uh, and all the great colleagues at the CSIS as soon as possible. And uh, of course, with a happy face uh, for all of us. Thanks to Fatih for joining us this week. Find more episodes of Energy 360 on Apple Podcasts at CSIS.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, follow us on Twitter at CSIS Energy. 